Back in September of 2019, I, Corey Bradford, did something I thought I would come to regret. I downloaded TikTok. I knew it was going to be just a giant waste of time, you know, another social media app to distract me. But I was doing a little stand-up at the time, and I figured, what the heck, I'll use this to record some comedic skits. And after a few months of doing that, I saw some small yet steady growth on the app. I found myself with like 10,000 followers. I was floored, and I knew I wasn't going to get many more than that. And then I posted a satirical skit about the Bill of Rights. You know, the first 10 amendments of our Constitution. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's the 10 Bill of Rights of the United States Constitution. And it got a million views. My first viral video. And I thought it was a fluke, so I made another history-related skit. This time about World War II. Yo, France, step up. Nope. You saw what happened to us 20 years ago. We out. You can have the shit. And that one got 17 million views. And that's basically how I became TikTok's CEO of history. My comedic history videos on the app helped me build an audience of more than 700,000 followers. TikTok helped me catch the attention of producers from some of my favorite TV shows. And the app was directly responsible for getting me a wonderful opportunity to work as a journalist in New York City. And I knew there had to be other creators out there whose lives were changed as much as mine was by TikTok. See, most people may think that TikTok is just funny videos and trendy dances, but there are a lot of creators on there making entertaining yet informative content about some of the most important issues facing us today. And that's what this podcast is all about, finding those creators and having thought-provoking conversations with them. Welcome to Stitch Disc with Corey Bradford, where we highlight the people behind some of your favorite TikTok videos. In this first episode, I interviewed a labor lawyer who's using TikTok to inform people about their rights as employees. So without further ado, let's jump right in. All right, welcome to Stitch This with Corey Bradford, a podcast all about TikTok and the most interesting creators on there. I'm Corey Bradford, also known as at This Is Corey. And have you ever been fired before? like from a job, because I have. And was I fired for an illegal reason? Probably. But I had no idea of knowing that at the time. That's because labor law is one of the most misunderstood types of law in America. They don't teach it in most high schools. And unless you get a law degree, you're not going to learn about it at college either. So where can you go to find valuable information about your legal rights as an employee? Luckily, there's a TikTok for that. My guest today is a labor lawyer and author working in San Diego, and he has recently gone viral several times on TikTok with his videos about employee rights. He has over one million followers on the app, and his videos have actually generated a lot of controversy, which is crazy because all he's doing is informing workers of their rights. And for that, he has been called everything from a communist to an enemy of business. He's even received death threats for this. This is insane. I'm so glad to talk to him about that and get to the bottom of all this. Welcome to the show, Attorney Ryan, the labor lawyer. Ryan, how's it going? Corey, it is so good to be here. I really have to say I've been a fan of your work for a while, your historical parodies and the skits you do. Uh, I've been following you and I've been a fan of you for a long time. So this is fun for me. Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you came across my page. I don't know how long it's been, but uh, I was just like, wow, this is really interesting content. So I, I started following you and I, I think I noticed at the time you were following me. And uh, give me a little bit of your background as far as like you as a lawyer, like what made you want to go to law school and, and what made you want to study labor law specifically? Absolutely, Corey. Yeah, a lot of people don't know about labor and employment law as a specialty. I think a lot of times when we think of a lawyer, uh, people ask, well, do you put the bad guys away or do you keep them out of prison? 
they, they don't realize that there's a whole world of civil law out there. I wasn't always a lawyer. My background is actually in the fire service. I was a firefighter in Southern. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Southern California. I worked for a department called Cal Fire. And before that, I was with the San Diego County Fire Authority and the Valley Center Fire Protection District uh, before it was acquired by Cal Fire. Uh, so that was my career. That's all I ever wanted to do for the longest time. I made the switch uh, a few years ago into law school and opened up my own practice. Now, initially, I didn't know labor law was really a specialty either. Uh, I had initially wanted to go into criminal law. But once I got into school and I, I started seeing all the need there was for people to understand their rights as workers, uh, there's really not a lot of attorneys out there putting out free content to help people understand how to help themselves. I mean, we all work for a living. And when something goes wrong at work, it, it's not just your reputation that's at stake. It's your livelihood. It's your rent. It's your groceries. It's how you take care of your kids. The stakes are pretty high. Uh, so it's really been a privilege to get to put this content out there. And yeah, you mentioned I get a lot of hate. Um, I intend to disagree <laughs> with those people. Uh, I, I don't know why what I do makes some people so upset, but overwhelmingly, it's been a very positive response from people. So how long have you been a lawyer? Uh, not as long as some people might think. I opened my own practice at the beginning of 2020. Uh, that Centurion Trial oh, Attorneys. Wow. Yeah, I'm the founder of that office. Uh, before that, I was supposed to uh, actually be a prosecutor. I had job lined up at the district attorney's office, and that's the route I was supposed to go down. And then, like many people, the pandemic completely changed the trajectory of my life. Fortunately for me, it was a positive change. Um, I had the opportunity, mm -hmm. I had some cases come to me while I was trying to get things going at the DA and uh, friends had said, hey, Ryan, we know that you're going to be a prosecutor, but you know, my friend needs help and I trust you, can you help them? And I had a decision to make at that time because I knew, well, I can take these clients, run with it, build an office or you can go to the DA and put in my time there and start later. Uh, I decided that postponing my dream of owning my own op office wasn't going to do me any good. So I rolled the dice, took those clients, and fortunately, it gave me just enough money to get started and build my office. And then it was a few months after that that I started the TikTok channel. The TikTok channel is very new. Uh, I started it, I think, March of 2020. And we crossed a million followers in December of 2021, wow. I think. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah. That's that's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, a million followers like that's like like I'm almost there. And like that is that is like the dream. I think of every TikTok. I mean, TikTok is so weird to me because like it, it's like I think if for any other social media platform, whether it's like YouTube or Twitter or like anything else, it's like really hard to even get like like 10,000 followers or 20,000 followers. Like to, if you even have that many on those platforms, it's kind of like a big deal. But like TikTok, it's, it's not mm -hmm. easy, but it's easier then those platforms to get like, you know, 10,000, 20,000. So once you start getting into like the 100,000 range, you start like being noticeable. Uh, I, I know when we first talked, you said that there was just one video that you did that pretty much put you over the top and sent you to that million range. Do you remember what video that was? Uh, yeah, well, there's actually two videos I think of as being really transformative in how the account has worked. Uh -huh. uh, the first video I ever posted was actually about your rights when you request maternity leave. Pregnant women who request maternity leave are more likely to get fired than at any point in their career. 
and men who request paternity leave to help their partner have the baby are also at risk. But you don't follow me for bad news. Here's how you protect yourself. Federal law allows some employees to take protected time off to have a baby or get medical care. The secret is to request time off in writing and ask about FMLA. Remember that firing people just for asking for this leave is illegal in all states. Immediately there was a need. That was the first video I posted. It got 60,000 views, I, I think a few thousand likes, and a bunch of people reaching out saying, wow. hey, uh, this happened to me. This happened to my sister. This happened to my wife. Can you please contact me? And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a need here. Now, for the record, I posted that same video on Instagram, mm -hmm. and I think my mom liked it. And that was about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so right? the engagement, the ability to reach new people on TikTok is, is just unparalleled. Now, that was the first video that did well. And I thought, okay, this is a worthwhile endeavor. I'm going to keep putting out content because there's a need and there's people receptive to it. The one that really kicked me over the edge to a million was in October of 2021. I posted a video it was about the Fair Labor Standards Act. It is common for some employers to have a policy that says you must arrive to work 15 minutes before your shift starts. This is unpaid time that they say you must use to get ready to work. That is not okay. The law is that anytime you are suffered or permitted to work, you must be paid. That includes making you show up 15 minutes early. Once you're there, you're working. That one got 13 million views. Wow. Uh, I think I added 500,000 followers with that one video. And my email account just blew up. It was insane, the amount of people uh, who said, wait a minute, this has happened to me for years. I, I must have lost thousands of dollars. Uh, and it's, it's a shame because what a lot of people don't realize is one of the most common crimes in America is wage theft. Yeah. And it happens every day and it happens in tiny increments. So it doesn't get the attention that things like a robbery uh, or a homicide might get because it's not this big thing. It's, it's $6 a day, a, a few hours off your check every week and people don't realize it's happening. I think that's why that video was so popular. Yeah. That was actually, I think, either one of the first or probably the first video from you that I saw. And I remember it just popping up on my page. Really? Yeah. And I do remember liking it because I was like, because well, I work now, like I work on salary, but like I used to work retail and I used to work where you had to punch the clock. And I used to have employers say like, hey, you, I need you here 15 minutes early. And, you know, and I was like, okay, you want me to clock in 15 minutes early? And they're like, nah, you don't have to do all that. I just need, I just need you to arrive 15 <laughs> minutes early. And I was like, uh, okay. And I always just think in my head, I was like, but I mean, that's like my time that, you know, and I'm not getting paid for it. So yeah, I always think in my head, but like it's, I think I think as workers we instinctively know our rights. Like I know we instinctively know our rights, but we've gotten so many things beat into us to say that we should be just happy just to have this job, and therefore we don't question certain things. Is that something that you've noticed a lot when it comes to worker rights? Yeah, I see that a lot, Corey. Uh, first of all, uh, working retail, uh, retailer being a server, I, I honestly think it should be a rite of passage for a lot of people because it's an incredibly humbling experience Absolutely. for many. I, I'm curious what your impressions were. But uh, yeah, that idea, I think it's why I get such an aggressive reaction from some people, this idea that you're supposed to be just grateful to have a job and your employer holds your fate in their hand like a tiny bird and don't step out of line, work hard, because if you don't, you'll be fired and there's nothing you can do. Uh, that's outrageous. Um, an employment relationship is fundamentally a business relationship. And like many things, it, there's rules that you have to follow, you know, uh, much like I can't walk into a store, grab whatever television set I want and walk out without paying. An employer cannot just take your labor, take your time and not pay for it. 
Okay. And in addition to that, we're all human beings. And when we sacrifice our labor and our time, uh, you know, there, there's a chance of people getting hurt. There's a chance of people being harmed in some way. So there's rules around that as well. And you're absolutely right. I think every employee instinctively knows some of these things because you get a gut reaction when something happens at work. And it, it's this feeling you get where you go, that doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. It, you know, every time I go to the bathroom, they make me clock out, but I'm a human being and I'm hot. It's two minutes. What's the matter? Or uh, they say, I can't, I can't take a lunch break. Well, I've been working seven hours that how can that be true? You know, they, these are things that I think we all know, just we haven't had the training or the education or the exposure to articulate those rights. And man, once you learn to articulate them, I, I really think your whole life changes because work doesn't have to be a miserable experience. It doesn't have to be fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't we don't work for the joy of it sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's a privilege to get to do that. But it certainly doesn't have to be a miserable, soul-crushing experience. That That's really what I want for people. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about, and I mean, we'll talk about this at length, but some of the reactions that you get on TikTok to your content, because I've seen some of the videos where you've posted where, where so many, and I've seen the comments, like I've literally like looked at some of the comments and you do get a lot of people and they're usually like blank profiles, right? Cause they're usually like, like shitty bosses is really like who are, who are making these comments usually. And they're, they're just saying things like, you know, you're the what's wrong with America. You're what's wrong with, with the workers. You represent the lazy worker or you represent the worker who's always trying to get over on the boss. Like, like, like I want to, I want to know like what's the make, up like do you get more of that than appreciation for what you're doing is it kind of 50 50 or or has that changed over time as you've been operating your page you know it varies Corey. i think it depends on the video there's certainly one kind of video i will make that almost always results in death threats and it's not what you would expect obviously anytime i talk about covid or vaccines or any how that works at work i get very angry responses because if i explain a law that people don't like their assumption is, oh, well, he's supporting it. He's pushing his agenda. He's trying to make me get a vaccine I don't want. I, I don't want to push anything on anybody. I'm just telling you what the rules are. Yeah. So when you're at work, you understand what's happening. I'm on your side, you know, mm-hmm. but people get very upset about it. Uh, the other one is when I explain that right to work rules do not mean you can be fired for any reason. Right to work laws are very misunderstood, especially in the South. I think it's just part of the slang or nomenclature. They say, oh, it's a right to work state. I can do whatever I want to you. It's not true. Uh, Right to work rules only mean that you can work for an employer that has a union without being compelled to participate in the union as a condition of employment. About half the states are right to work states. Mm -hmm. Okay. And people have opinions about that. The other rule that gets me a lot of hate is when I say that at will employment, which is 49 states, by the way does not mean you can be fired for any reason. You can be fired for any lawful reason, and it just so happens that most reasons are lawful. Yeah. But you still have significant legal protections. But what I get is I get a lot of comments saying, uh, this is BS, he's a bad lawyer, he doesn't know what he's talking about, I can fire people whenever I want, it's my business, and you know, you're know you lucky to work for me. Like, First of all, someone talks like that, I don't think they own a business. <laughs> I think they're just living in a fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's insane. <laughs> I can never understand the type of hate you get because to me, if I was an employer and someone like you comes along 
informing workers of their rights, I'm just going to be like, well, man, I, I, I got to make sure I actually treat my employees right, right, because this this guy is going to tell them if I'm not. And then people like him are going to come around and represent them if something ever happens you know, in a legal capacity. But instead, it seems like it's, you get the opposite reaction. It's almost like instead of treating people right because of these laws and because this, it's just basic human decency, it's like you get the opposite reaction. It's like you tell people their rights and then they're like, Oh, that's not right. You know, they should be just grateful. And and why do you think that is? Why do you think there's that reaction in this country that the bosses just let that power go to their head? It's a good question, Corey. I think there's a few reasons. For a small employer particularly, I think they feel threatened. Look, I get it. I'm I'm a small employer and I'm a small business owner. It is hard to make it in this world as an adult, especially in today's climate with inflation and cost of living as it is. It's it's tough. And when you see someone who you think is coming after you or who you think is making it harder for you to do business, I think you feel threatened. And as human beings, whenever we feel threatened, our, our instinct is to kind of attack. That's why people get defensive and lash out at each other on the Internet. Yeah. What I hope those employers understand is, look, I represent employers, too. It's a part of my business I don't talk about on, online quite as much because, in my opinion, the power is it very much favors the employer. They can afford to pay me to advise them. They have more resources than the employee. But I, I've defended employers from frivolous lawsuits before. Mm. I'm here to help the good guy, mm-hmm. and I'm here to help small businesses. I, I want to see you do well. Part of doing well means following the labor code because, look, if an attorney like me doesn't come after you, the attorney general's office will. I mean, you, you got to follow these rules. And even then, you know, it helps to be compliant because happy workers are productive workers. Yeah, absolutely. An employee who you treat right is going to go above and beyond. If you simply yell at them, berate them, uh, tell them how expensive, expendable they are and, and that they're lucky to even have a job, they're not going to work hard for you. People work hard when they feel appreciated. Absolutely. So, it's, yeah, to, to answer your question, why the hate, I truly think it's a misunderstanding. I, I really do. I think people just think I'm going to take something from them. The other phenomenon I've seen, and I'll be quick with this one, is I do think there's a segment of the population who they aren't financially successful now, but they hope that with hard work, one day they will be. And they see someone like me and they think, well, attorney Ryan, he looks like he's anti-business. And if he's anti-business, then how am I ever going to make it with this guy attacking businesses all the time. Again, it's a misunderstanding, but I think that's why some people who aren't employers will be upset. They'll they'll think that I'm somehow taking away opportunities for them. But fundamentally, my content exists to help you make more money, be happier at work, and and at a minimum, don't get abused. That, yeah. That's all I'm trying to do. It's noble work. It's very noble work that you're doing. I mean, I, like I said, I really appreciate it. One one thing I always want to ask people when when they do get big on TikTok you probably get this a lot. When you tell people who aren't as familiar with the app, you're like, yeah, I, I run a TikTok page and I have like a million followers on there. Do you ever get the reactions where people are like, what, why are you on TikTok? You're like a grown man. Why are you, why are you on this app for, for <laughs> yeah. children? Like, is, is that, do you get those kinds of reactions? Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> especially from uh, other lawyers, uh, especially you know, the prior generation of lawyers don't understand it Yeah, because there is this perception that TikTok is just for teenagers to do funny dances on, <laughs> yeah. which Listen, TikTok, it, it's an algorithm like anything else. Mm-hmm. If that's the content you enjoy, that's what it's going to show you. Mm-hmm. But like me, I, I like history. I like legal content. That's how I found you, man. Yeah. It, you know, TikTok kind of gets an idea of what it is that you're engaging with. Um, but yeah, I think there's a prejudice. I think those people are missing out, though. Absolutely. Uh, there was a time when, yeah, there was a time when Instagram was just the picture to take funny selfies with. And now 
any serious businesses on Instagram, you got to have a presence. And yeah. that's where we're at with TikTok. Uh, one funny thing I always get is people tell me, you know, oh, I'd never hire a lawyer who who is on TikTok or, oh, if you're on TikTok, it's unprofessional. And, and my response is always, yeah, you're right. You know, I should just get a billboard or put my face on a bus stop like a <laughs> real lawyer, like a real serious lawyer and put my face on a bus. So like, I, I like what I do because, listen, the billboards, the bus stop ads, they're fine. You know, you got to drive business. I, I get it. But what I get to do on TikTok that a billboard or a bus stop can't do is I get to actually interact with people and provide educational content. And it's it's really a better business strategy. I, I really don't do ads. I never go up there and say, hey, if you've been fired at work, you give me a call. Yeah. We'll fight for your rights. I never do that. Mm-hmm. I, I simply say, look, here's your rights. Here's some tips. I do some career advice too. Mm-hmm. And listen, if you like this and you like me and you need help, line's always open. Come to me if you need me. But that's not the primary purpose of my channel is education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love I've noticed that about you. I I went through a bunch of your videos. I've been going through them the last few days and a lot of them I've already seen, but I was going through your videos and I was like, he doesn't do like the Saul Goodman like some if you need help, call me now. <laughs> like, you know, you don't do that. And I think that's why people really love your content is because you're not trying to sell them on anything. They know you're not there exclusively just to try to get business. You really do care for workers and their rights and you're trying to educate people and it it definitely comes through. It definitely shows in your content. And and just to also touch on what we were just talking about about like the perception of TikTok. Whenever I, I get the same thing because I work in journalism, so sometimes like a very serious journalist will be like, "You're on TikTok. I know nothing about TikTok. Oh, what do you dance on there or something?" And I just think to myself, first of all, there's such a wealth of information on there. When you get the algorithm right, and like you said, if you like history or legal things, like me, I'm into like history and politics and things like that. And I'm also in- interested in just like how to like how to build things and stuff like that. And you just get these really interesting videos that show you how to do those things. I, it would take me forever to try to like find that stuff on YouTube. Whereas with TikTok, it feeds it mm-hmm. to me. You know, it gives it to me directly. And then when I hear like older people saying like, well, you shouldn't be on TikTok because it's not professional. I'm like that's like back like 10, 15 years ago, we would have told somebody not to be on Facebook because it's not, it's not professional. Mm-hmm. And now like it's just like with Instagram, you said every single business is on Facebook trying to use it to market itself. It's just like it's just with the times mm-hmm. like these these technologies change. These apps change. But I want to talk to you about like specific videos that you've actually done, uh, specific TikToks, because I, I've, I've just been going through them. One of them that I saw, I've seen it before, and I saw it again today, it just made me laugh so hard. It's one of your, your pinned videos, The Most Hated Lawyer in America. Uh, I, <laughs> that video was so classic to me. Like, and is that really the breakdown of like the hate you get? It doesn't really come from boomers, bad bosses, and Karens. Is that does that seem to be the demographics that come at you the most with the hate? Almost exclusively. Uh, <laughs> I, I will get. I'll, I'll tell you what the the extreme ten percent of either side of the political spectrum they'll hate me, but th- those extremes hate everybody. So that's yeah. not special. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, those those are pretty much the ones. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I do want to give a shout out to at Berserk Jerk. I tagged him when I made that video because that's a trend he started. Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, I'll see a trending uh, format or a sound and jump on it. I did one with Stone Cold Steve Austin yeah. and that was trending. You yeah. got to have fun with the app sometimes. Absolutely. You can't, you can't just be so rigidly committed to this is my niche and this is what I do. You got to have some fun sometimes. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you brought up that video. It was one of my favorites. But yeah, I think particularly the baby boomer generation doesn't care for my content in a lot of ways. And, and I do want to preface that by saying I do have some clients that are of that generation mm-hmm. and they're great clients. Uh, just overall, uh, the problem is that generation got into the workforce at a time when you were expected to work for a company for 20, 30 years 
And in exchange for that commitment, they would take care of you for life. They would give you a pension. They would give you health care. And that's a really valuable thing. So, of course, you'd be expected to be loyal and be grateful for such a wonderful thing to be given to you. But times have changed. Those plans are rare. And one of the issues I see is I tell people, look, don't be loyal to any one company because I see I see so many cases, Corey. It's the saddest thing in the world. I see so many termination cases where someone was just a year away from getting their full pension, a year away from retirement, and they got fired. Wow. And they weren't fired in my opinion, for anything legitimate. It's because the company doesn't want that giant liability on their balance sheet. Uh, You're at the end of the day, you're just a number. And some people from that generation do have pensions and they have lovely homes and they have lovely lives and healthcare. So they see someone like me and they think, don't listen to this clown. He's going to get you fired. And I worked hard and I built a pension. It's like, yeah, but you did that starting in 1990 or starting in the, in the 80s or whatever, mm-hmm. starting today, I'm telling you, those opportunities exist, but they're much more rare. And if you count on them, you are rolling the dice on a 20-year commitment. And I don't want anyone rolling the dice on something like that. At the very least, build a side hustle or a business. Like Just don't, don't put all your eggs in that basket. It used to be a good bet. It's really not anymore. Uh, so I think that's why the boomers don't like me. Now, the bad bosses, it's obvious it's why obvious. they don't like me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, not even that. I mean, I I actually give people tricks and tips on how to kind of outmaneuver them. Like, yeah. I think you've seen the email templates. Those are a popular format yeah. I'll share. I help people with, hey, here's how you uh, make sure you're protected if mm-hmm. a bad boss is acting right. Mm-hmm. And so those people are like, wait a minute. My whole power trip is they don't know the rules and it helps me get away with stuff. And now you're making it so I, I have to be held accountable. No one likes that. And then the third category, Karen's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's just no hope man like, there's, i can't do anything right <laughs> yeah yeah like just just nothing satisfies them you can't you can't do anything right with them it's just i, I don't know but you, but you make such a good point about about the boomer generation i mean uh, my, my dad is right there on the edge he's a little younger than the average boomer but he's right there on the edge and and yeah he he was able to do that he's worked for the same company for i think well over 20 years and like you said those opportunities they were much more prevalent in the 80s and 90s and i think a lot of people in that generation just don't understand it's just not like that anymore like it's just like when I was graduating high school I was graduating into the great recession and so you I, I knew mm-hmm. people who were already getting laid off like crazy who were much older than me who had been in the industries for like 10 plus years or 15 plus years at that point they were getting laid off so when we were getting in nothing was guaranteed nothing was promised and it's pretty much been like that since 2010 since the since the since the great recession and stuff and and I think a lot of absolutely yeah and I, I think a lot of older workers just simply don't understand that they just don't get that it's just it's totally different for now. It, yeah. And Corey, if I can jump in on that, I mean, especially our generation, it sounds like, you know, we're, we're kind of in that same group where I, I entered, first of all, my brain came online just a little bit before the dot com crash. You know, I'm pretty young, but I was a kid and I, my first memories are of my parents losing everything oh, and, wow. you know, running to the ATM to get cash and just the panic, you know, and I think a lot of people who grew up in that kind of middle class where people were investing in those things and trying to make money, watch their parents lose a, a lot. So those are my first memories. And then, yeah, the the recession happened. And I entered adulthood when it was really hard to get a job. It just, no one was hiring. And if they were, the pay was terrible. And you'd get fired three, four months later because there was so much uncertainty. And then, you know, we have the more recent times of what happened with COVID. The minute there was any trouble, people got fired immediately with no support from the company. And then a couple of quarters later, they're making record profits. And I think that's why, especially Gen Z, 
is kind of having the same economic experience the millennials did, where we're all looking at these institutions and thinking, this is not stable and it's not really looking out for me. So the old ways of doing things aren't going to work anymore. Uh, you still need to work hard. You have to for apply sure. yourself. And, and, you know, if you can get help, please do. But the old methods aren't going to work anymore. So I think that's why I get a lot of pushback. But I also get a lot of support from people because I think a lot of workers see, finally, here's a guy who who gets it. Because, look, I I was a firefighter before I was an attorney. I know what it's like to work really hard. I was a wildland firefighter. That's very physically demanding oh, yes. work, hiking all day, working with my hands. And at the time, I uh, was in a union that had not had a raise in a long time. Uh, it surprises people to know that my base rate as a fully trained professional full-time firefighter was sixteen fifty an hour. Wow. It surprises people to hear that. That is yeah. very surprising. And, and this was uh, in California. This was in California. This was some time ago. They've gotten raises since then, mm-hmm. but I was there. I'd got hired right at the end of a long-term hiring freeze. Mm. So when I entered the fire department, understaffing was a huge problem. I was always at the fire station because there was very rarely relief for people. There just weren't enough firefighters because there wasn't a budget for them. Hmm. Guys were getting overworked, weren't getting paid. Morale was low sometimes. Uh, It was tough. So I know what it's like to have that blue collar experience. And uh, if I can say one thing, I I just want people to know I get it. And I think that's why I think I'm a good workers' rights advocate is because I've been there. That experience really changed the way I look at work and our relationship with our employees and how we as a country need to support low-income people. Because I'll tell you what, even then, working full-time, I struggled to afford my rent and, and get everything I needed in life. And I, and I remember thinking to myself, man, I, I work so hard. I'm at the station all the time. I pick up all the overtime I can. I'm not lazy. I've got some student loan debt. And yeah, I'll go have an avocado toast once in a while. You know, (laughs) guys got to live, but uh, it just didn't feel right that I was working so hard and I was stuck. And and I don't wish that for anyone. I really hope that in some small way, my content helps change that. I definitely think it's on the right path. I definitely think it's on the right path. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about a few a few more of your videos. Uh, the the one about yeah. uh, salary. You did this video where you were dancing to the Tupac song, yeah. and you were talking about people discussing oh. salary. <laughs> yeah, discussing their salary among employees. This is actually it, this seems like a, a fairly new concept that I'm starting to see in the workplace, and I've seen some other people talking about it. This concept of discussing salary with your employees, and it actually helps prevent discrimination. Can you talk a little bit about that concept? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, For starters, it surprises a lot of people because it's a very common workplace policy to say, look, if you discuss wages, if you're caught discussing wages, it's grounds for immediate termination. Hmm. And if anyone asks why, a lot of times they don't question it. But if they ask why, the boss just says, well, it's a right to work state. We can fire for any reason. Yeah, Hmm. the same old lies we've been told forever. What people need to realize is that's federal law. It's not new. Uh, you have a fundamental protected right to discuss wages and work conditions with each other for mutual benefit and protection. And that rule has been around since the 1930s. It's not new. And it applies to all 50 states because it's federal law. So some people think, oh, well, state of Texas, state doesn't matter. If, If you're part of the United States, you have to follow that rule. Now, the reason employers get away with those policies is people just don't know. And the way it's been sold to employees has been, well, it's unprofessional. The little mind trick I've seen employers pull is you don't want to discuss wages because, oh, no, what if you make more and then your employees will resent you? (laughs) 
if that's not gaslighting, I don't know what the hell is. Because the question is, look, if we're equally qualified doing equal work, then why are you paying us different? What's your angle? It prevents discrimination because a lot of times older workers are paid less than new hires who just start. Mm -hmm. Women are paid less than men. Mm -hmm. People of color are paid less than people who are not mm -hmm. persons of color. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get angry and say, that's not true. Get the data. The data is everywhere, man. I, I mean, it's this is stuff that people can see. It doesn't happen in government sector. I get a lot of pushback from government employees because your wages are set. But in the private sector, it's much more common when pay and compensation decisions are being made on an individual basis. Sometimes the employer isn't trying to be a, a racist or a bigot, but they'll have an implicit bias uh, where they think, well, you know, this man seems very confident and young and energetic, so I'm going to pay him more. That's how this trouble starts. And that's why people should talk to each other. And make sure they're being paid fairly for equal work. I've seen other uh, lawyers put out videos like that. And I'm glad. I think there's this wave that's changing where enough lawyers are talking about it. Enough people are being exposed to it that that taboo of, oh, don't discuss wages in the workplace. I think if the trend continues with what people are doing, it might go away in our lifetime. It might become yeah. commonplace to discuss wages at work. And I hope it does. Absolutely. I want to talk to you about unions uh it seems like unions are making a, a pretty big comeback in america mm -hmm. i think you, you saw what happened with amazon in uh staten yeah. island um it's 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 really interesting do you think that is like just you know millennials and young people basically saying you know we've had enough of having our rights stomped on we're going to start unionizing i mean what do you think is behind this this resurgence for unions yeah it's uh actually you have some really awesome videos about the history of unions in america and i hope that that maybe you can pin those or, or repost them because they're fantastic. Oh, thank you. They're thank really you good. so much. Yeah. I, I, and they're funny, dude. I don't <laughs> know how you managed to make this stuff funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I want to preface this with I, I don't have particularly strong opinions about whether unions are an absolute good or absolute evil. A lot of people have extreme opinions about them. Yeah. Uh, here's what I always say. Generally, a union is a good thing for a lot of jobs. It protects you from wrongful termination. It helps ensure that you're going to get adequate pay and benefits. Fits. But a bad union can really mess you up. If you've, if you've got a bad rep who's doing a bad job, or if you have a bad union that's gotten kind of complacent, uh, it's almost worse than having no union. So once you have a union, getting one is great, but you really got to hold those people accountable. Don't assume just because you have a union, everything's going to be fine overnight. It, take, it takes work. Uh, that said, I think the attitudes are changing for the reasons you and I discussed that uh, I guess I'll call it economic trauma. I can't think of a more creative thing. That economic trauma that the millennials and the Gen Zers witnessed over the past 20 years, really starting with that dot-com bubble is when most of us were starting to, to really be aware of what was happening outside of our, uh, our own households. Um, people, we saw our parents get laid off. We saw retirements and pensions go away. We saw massive banks and funds that we were told were too big to fail collapse. We've seen the government have to come in and bail out giant companies. We've seen uh, how people get treated by very large employers when there's no collective bargaining. If, if it's just you versus Amazon, you're going to have a hard time. Okay, If it's just you versus Walmart, you're going to have a hard time. But when it's you and 100,000 other workers versus one of these big companies, suddenly the, the balance of power has shifted a little bit. So I think that the younger generation's uh, acceptance of unionization and their enthusiasm for collective bargaining has to do with all of the wrongs we saw growing up and a desire 
to have more stable lives. We don't want to experience the same economic uncertainty we've seen for 20 years. And I think that's why the kind of demonization of unions, that pendulum is swinging to the other side and now people are very in support of it. Um, we're seeing headlines about the Starbucks union. We're seeing yep. headlines about the Amazon union. Uh, and, and I think these are great. I think when you have an employer that large with a workforce that large, especially when a lot of the jobs are repetitive work or involve dangerous work, like in a warehouse, it you got to have some collective bargaining yeah. to protect people. So getting back to TikTok here a little bit, yeah. How how have you been able to maintain, because we talked a little bit about this when we spoke on the phone, but as far as maintaining an audience, you, you work, you're a lawyer. You have a super busy job. You have a super busy schedule. How do you make time for TikTok? How do you allow that sort of kind of time to just be able to you know, be creative and, and get that content out there? You know, how do you make time for it? Uh, sometimes it's hard. Uh, there's definitely weeks where attorney Ryan disappears for a while. Typically that means I've, I've got a trial or some big thing coming up and mm -hmm. I just can't make the time. But generally I, I love it now. It's actually become a really fun thing in my life. Uh, so it's easy to stay committed to it. Also, you know, the typical things every TikToker will tell you, doing batches is really helpful. A lot yeah. of times I'll, I'll just knock out 10, 12, 11 videos all at once in 30, 40 minute time and then roll them out later. Yeah. But also what I've done is I really don't worry too much about coming across super clean, super polished. I don't worry about lighting. I don't worry about the camera. People aren't following me because I'm handsome. They aren't following me for cool cuts and visual effects. They follow other people for that who do a great job, but they follow me for the information. So as long as I'm getting the information out there, it's good enough. Uh, so focusing on making sure I'm just consistently doing that and not sweating the small stuff makes it a lot easier to put out content. I mean, I, I think I posted four videos before this, before we sat down for this today. I just did one in my car. I did one in my backyard. I did one on my morning walk. Just get the information out there. Don't worry if the lighting is perfect because perfection is really the enemy of progress. You're going to have a hard time putting out consistent content if you're sweating every little detail. Yeah, I think that's like my biggest problem is like uh, I I I, don't, I haven't been posting as much just because, you know, I've been working a lot. But I, I am some, somewhat of a perfectionist when it comes to my videos. Like I I do a lot of research that goes into them and things like, like you were talking earlier about the union uh, video where I did about the, the coal mine wars and, and how that yeah. led to a lot of unionization in America. It took me like a long time to research all that stuff before I actually made that video because I wanted to make sure it was accurate and everything. And there was a lot of roles I had to play and costumes involved and things like that. So, yeah, I think with my with my videos, there is such kind of a, a like production value. I mean, I just use my phone. Like, it's not like I'm using like a like a high definition or a super high definition camera. Yeah. Like, a, it's not a movie or anything. But it's, a lot of it with me is just like research. It's like a lot of time researching things and making sure that everything I'm saying is accurate. I think with you, it may be a little different because you are a lawyer. So, like, you, you learned all this stuff. So, like, you're just giving your expertise and your knowledge of things that you've pretty much already learned. So, how do you, like, come up with an idea? Like, do you just do you do people give you suggestions of like, I want to know more about overtime or I want to learn more about this? Or is it more of like you just kind of generating based off of like what you're dealing with in a case maybe or what you're dealing with that week? Like, how do you come up with the the ideas for some of this content? Uh, it's kind of interesting, actually, Corey, that 
I would tell anyone who's trying to make it on TikTok, don't worry about running out of ideas. Just, you know, at first it's hard, but once you get the ball rolling, your followers are going to help you understand what it is they like. The way I see it is, yeah, there's 1.3 million people following me. That's 1.3 million people who kind of made a deal with me. And the deal is, hey, man, I, I like what you're teaching me. Please keep teaching me more. And so I pay attention to, to what gets engagement and what doesn't. I honestly don't really care about the views and we can we can explain why. There, there's reasons for that mm-hmm. and we can discuss that later. But I, I'm looking at the engagement and seeing what kind of questions people ask and what do they like. And, and that helps me come up with ideas. Being able to respond to comments with a video is an awesome feature. Lately, I've talked about case results. I think those are helpful because... Like recently, I had a woman who, uh, you know, she had a disability, she had a cancer diagnosis, and she had some problems at work because of it. And I shared, obviously preserving confidences, some of how that case unfolded. And I think that's helpful because someone going through the same thing will think, wait a minute, that sounds like what's happening to me. And Ryan told me disability was protected, but when he shares the story, now I know what that really looks like, and it's more helpful. So I'm, I'm sharing some of those, and then, of course, throughout my day, I'll see something and I'll go... Another unpaid overtime case. I guess I should hop on here and tell people how overtime works. Or, wow, another case of people not being allowed to have a seat at work. Let me talk about that, too. Uh, so that's been helpful. But pay attention to your followers. You know, They'll tell you what they like and what you don't, they don't like. Uh, if, I, if I post something and no one comments on it, no one likes it, I'm like, okay, you know. We, I guess we don't want to talk about that today. We'll, we'll try something else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm the same way. Like, I'll, I'll post something and it doesn't get a lot of engagement. I'm like, oh, well, okay, I tried that. That didn't work. And then I'll post something that I'm more known for and it gets all the engagement. I'm like, ah, there you go. I, I gave you what you, what you came here for. And, and I like the way you describe that. It's like your followers, they do enter in almost this informal contract with you because they followed you for a reason. Something you did, something you mm-hmm. said is the reason why they're following you. And now they expect you to either continue you doing that or build upon that and so we do owe that responsibility to our followers in many ways and it is fun it's a, it's a lot of fun i like to try new things too you know i think i think that's one thing that a lot of creators like to do is try new things and see see if something new sticks but but generally speaking uh it's always the stuff that you're most known for that sticks and i want to ask you this because some yeah. every creator every single creator tells me this is the same thing and, and we may have even talked about this before doesn't it seem like the video that you put so much time into that you worked on for like more than a day that you just put all that effort into will get like 100, 200 views. And then that thing you just slapped together in five minutes, that's the one that gets a million. That's the one that goes viral. Have you, have you experienced that phenomenon? Yeah, Corey, we call that the universal law of TikTok, okay? There's an <laughs> inverse relationship. The more time and energy you put into these videos, uh, the worse they perform sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and TikTok, it's, it's so, it, I'm so glad it exists because it's not Instagram and it's not YouTube. People mm-hmm. don't expect perfection on TikTok. Perfection exists. There's some really impressive yeah. people, really impressive accounts on TikTok, and I try not to compare myself to them. Uh, <laughs> Same here. You know, uh, <laughs> But ultimately, authenticity, people just want to know you're a real person and usefulness. The cool thing about TikTok is not a lot of people get on there and use the search function and say labor law or workers' rights. Just they're scrolling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone says, hey, has your boss ever done this? They go, my boss does a lot of shady shit. I'm listening. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how you get them. Uh, But yeah, and that's why I said, especially for anyone who's trying to grow, don't, don't worry about 
being perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm in my little home office. I'm, I'm out on my walks. And, and as long as the information people want is getting out there, I find they're pretty happy. Now for me and for my own fun, I will put effort into videos like that most hated lawyer in America. I did. I've done some skits. I've tried <laughs> yeah. to do special effects before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, it's my account. I have a right to try to have some fun with it. Yeah, once in a of, while, course. of course. You know, but one thing I would caution a lot of creators about, especially when you start growing, don't fall into this trap of, oh man, I need to get more views, more viral. I need to go viral. How do I go viral? That's the key. We got to go viral. Dude, forget going viral. Forget about it. It doesn't matter. Be consistent. Uh, first of all, what is viral? When I first started out, I, I, if I got 250 views in an hour, to me, that was a damn good video. Yeah. Now it's not uncommon for me to get something over a million views. It happens once in a while. But yeah. m- most of my videos get maybe 50, 60K, you know, the important thing is I'm creating a big catalog of content that people can interact with and play with and learn their stuff. And it's the consistency, not the virality that matters. And it's the utility, not the virality. Uh, Believe it or not, I, I don't measure engagement necessarily by likes and comments. I pay attention to them, but that's not really what I look for. What I look for is, do people click the link in my bio And do they reach out to my firm with questions and things like that? That's when I know, okay, there's a need for this. Because it's cool when people engage with the video. Mm -hmm. I like that. But when someone actually reaches out to me and says, hey, attorney Ryan, I have a problem. I go, hold on. This isn't theoretical. This isn't just interesting. This is real. Someone's reaching out to me because this is really happening at work. And it's a problem for people. So I'm going to talk more about this. Or I'm going to create an email template. Or I'm going to give you tips on how to handle it. When I start getting people clicking the link in my bio and emailing the firm is when I know we found something to talk about. And frankly, Corey, I don't care if it has 100 views or 100 million views. That's my ultimate measuring stick. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 if it brings people back to your firm and it brings people back to what you do for a living, then you're making the TikTok work for you. You're actually using it as, as, a, as a creative tool to, mm-hmm. get, to get more work. And that's, and that's like the, the – I feel like that is the ultimate goal for every TikToker is to figure out a way – to make some freaking money with this thing. Like, I mean, obviously you, you love being creative. I love being creative. I, I went into TikTok not knowing that I was gonna get, go viral. I, I just went in to just have fun. Mm-hmm. I was doing stand-up comedy at the time. And so I was like, oh, I could do some skits on here, be funny on here, and literally accidentally started making history videos. And they just, people just started watching them in the millions and the tens of millions. And I said, well, I guess I'll, I know a lot about history. I guess I'll keep doing that. And that's how my page became a history page. It was totally by accident. And I tell people that same thing that you just said all the time. It's like, be authentic, be yourself and be consistent. And the virality will come. If you just stick to those things, mm-hmm. you'll you'll get the views, you'll get that. But just have fun with it, absolutely. But um, kind of speaking to the fact that you have been able to get you know work for your firm based off of your TikTok, that's one of the biggest things that I like to talk to creators about is how to monetize. Because everybody's trying to figure mm-hmm. out, if they're trying to be professional TikTok creators, they're trying to figure out how to monetize. I've done it in, I think, a very different way than most people have. How have you been able to monetize TikTok? Is just through getting that work to your firm or have you you know creator fund like how, how are you seeing any actual like revenue from this there's a lot of ways that this can happen and and i want to preface this real quick because i i really admire our generation and the generation younger than us their their commitment to change and social justice and all of that that's great but i want to say something to the listeners uh, you are under no obligation to be broke if you want to help people you do not have to Uh, there's an old saying, you don't have to light yourself on fire to keep others warm. It is possible to make money 
and do good in the world. Your needs are important. You deserve to have stable housing, healthcare, food, and you deserve to get out and have some fun once in a while. We, we don't live very long. You should have enough money to go on vacation and enjoy some things. So I say all this saying, my commitment is ultimately the public good. Yes, I do make money doing it, okay? And I think it's morally okay to make money helping people. That said, here, here's how I do it. The creator fund, it's not a lot. It's no. it's a few hundred <laughs> dollars a month. Uh, play money at best. We'll, we'll go out to dinner or something like that with it. Um, really where the revenue changed was in business. We get a lot more leads than we used to uh, from different people than we would normally reach. Mm-hmm. It's it's been big enough that I had to hire more people just to keep up with things. We still struggle to keep up with it sometimes. So it has grown my business in that regard. But it's also introduced me to a lot of other attorneys who I never would have met. There's a few really great ones out there. Uh, Lawyer Page, follow her. She's fantastic. She does a lot of employment law content. We've gotten really close uh, over time. So that, that cooperation is good. It's also opened up new ways of doing business. I don't just litigate anymore. I'm I'm actually an HR consultant as well. I help oh, wow. companies with compliance. Yeah, if a company is like, hey, you know, we've got X amount of employees and we want to follow the law, we want to help with retention, we want to make sure we're developing talent and people aren't leaving us, can you help? I do that too. Uh, so it's it's helped me find other ways to do well besides just my law firm. And then finally, Obviously, when you have a big channel, it's easier to monetize. I don't sell merch or anything like that. Yeah. I probably could if I wanted to. Uh, perhaps if I was more creative or more interesting, people would want some shirts. <laughs> but <laughs> you can do that as well. Uh, look, once once you get a channel with enough people watching you, it's really you're only limited by your own creativity yeah. at that point. Absolutely. Have you ever had any brands reach out to you to try to do any of that kind of that kind of work? Yeah, I get that quite a bit. Would that be like difficult for you as a lawyer to, to be involved with something like that? As long as you're avoiding conflicts of interest, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be pretty awkward if I was, you know, suing Pepsi and then <laughs> I'm advertising Pepsi. <laughs> it'd be a bit strange. <laughs> uh, yes. So obviously avoiding conflicts like that. Uh, but other than that, not really. Uh, you know, you just follow the rules and let people know that it's advertising and you do everything TikTok tells you to do. It's pretty easy. I've, I've had companies reach out. I've only taken one deal. Mm-hmm. This app called Hireact. I, I think they're great. It was just mm-hmm. to help. It, it's an app to help people find jobs. Oh, and cool. I thought, finally, a company reaching out to me who actually knows what I do and why I'm here. Uh, yeah. You know, they didn't pay me a lot. It, it was it was actually kind of more time and trouble than it might have been worth financially. <laughs> but I really believed, hey, this app can help people and it can help my followers because, again, my whole mission, Corey, I want you to live a wealthier, healthier life. I want your life better at work. I want all of my followers to make more money and enjoy their life more. So part of that formula to me is job hunting. You you got to look and see what other opportunities are out there. So that was the only brand I was like, yeah, I'll do this. Yeah, I've noticed with most creators and and you can speak to this just a little bit, like most creators, they'll have like these random brands that reach out to you that just have nothing to do with what you do. And they just they just want you because I guess you have like a big following or they like your content. Mm -hmm. But and I've had that. I've had like multiple brands reach out to me and I'm just like, how does my history page have anything to do with selling lawnmowers? Like I don't like like, there's just certain things. You can't do a history of the lawnmower. Come on, I I (laughs) I suppose I could. I suppose I could. And then like at the very end of the video, like 
in with their product like this is the evolution of this product like yeah i guess i could, i guess i could do that but but yeah just a lot of times okay, john near needs to reach out to you right now <laughs> yeah there <laughs> we, we go deal. we have a deal ready to go uh if there's one thing you could change about tiktok what what would it be just it could be the app or it could be like the way the algorithm works what would you change about it hard to say it's a good question Corey. i think two things there's there's one that's that's on the top of my mind and one that's a little bit more complicated. Uh, the first one is obvious. It's it's the way the, the moderation and censorship and, and, and that works on there. I understand it's an AI. It's not human beings making yeah. these decisions. But yeah. I, I've been banned several times. I've had my account suspended a lot. I've had videos taken down. Uh, it's pretty frustrating. I get a video taken down like once a week. I get banned. Oh, wow. It used to be once a month. I'm on like a two-month like get out of jail free streak. I hope it continues. Uh, And it's because uh, I'm noticing that things like very sudden movements will sometimes be interpreted as violence. Or uh, if I make any comment on any, any political news, sometimes it'll get taken down for hate speech. It's, it's very hard and sometimes a little suffocating trying to avoid that. So I would like them to calm down a little bit. Yes. We want to protect people from things like violence, hate speech, and, and, you know, we, we want to protect people, but I, I think it's a little aggressive. I'm just the workers' rights guy. I don't think I'm particularly controversial or violent or hateful. Uh, so it's weird that my stuff gets taken down so much, but that that's a minor issue. It's not a big deal. The real issue I see is there are a lot of very successful, very beautiful people on TikTok. And a lot of very young, impressionable people are exposed to that. And they think, why am I not successful? Why am I not beautiful? Why am I not funny or famous? I really wish there was a way we could help people understand that, you know, TikTok's a great way to connect and learn from each other, but you can't compare yourself to everything you see. Look, there's lawyers who are much more handsome than I will ever be on that app. And there's lawyers who are more interesting, more popular. You can't compare yourself to them. You just got to be you. And, and I wish there was a way we could help younger people understand that you are great. You are enough. You're on your own trajectory and you're developing at your own pace, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially. Take these videos for what they are. They're entertainment, sometimes education. Uh, if it's starting to hurt your feelings or make you feel bad about yourself, put the app down, find some people in your life who support you and love you and remind yourself that you are enough and you're on a good path. Just be patient with yourself. That That's the only thing I'd, I'd really notice because I, I do have younger siblings and younger cousins and I can see how some of this stuff affects them sometimes. So I, I guess that's the one thing I'd change. Now, how do we change it? I don't know. That'd be a, it'd be a difficult one, but yeah, absolutely. The attitudes on there and just the perception of certain things on there. You're absolutely right. There is this perception of perfection that so many young people get from the app and it isn't, it just isn't based in reality. And so I, I, I definitely hear you there. So one of the last things I like to always ask my guests on here is kind of a double question to end things off with. What is the biggest thing that you want people to get from your TikTok page? And what is the biggest thing that you want to get from your experience on TikTok? That's a great question, Corey. So uh, the thing I went, it's what I've been saying from the beginning. I want you to be happy. I want you to be healthy. I want you to make more money. I want you to have more opportunity. And a lot of times the very first step, the first step to becoming super successful and wealthy is just understanding that you deserve it. Okay. Even if you've made mistakes, even if you have had a rough background or you don't come from uh, a wealthy family or success, you deserve to be happy and you deserve to make changes in your life and make demands that you be treated with dignity and respect. 
every video I make, I hope I'm moving that needle in someone's head where they wake up and say, you know what? I deserve to be spoken to like a human being with dignity. I deserve to be paid a fair wage and I deserve to pursue interests outside of work. That's what I really hope people get from the content. I truly, I want all my content, all my, uh, all my followers. I, I want them to be wealthy and happy. As for me, I'm having fun. I, I've actually gotten some really nice letters from people saying that I've helped them in some way. That is really nice. It's been nice having my firm grow. Uh, you know, my business is probably five years ahead in terms of growth because of this. It's been kind of an accelerator. But but truly, I got on there because I'm the labor lawyer. And I consider myself an expert in this field. And selfishly, I just want to be seen as someone who uh, is competent in his profession and is here to help people. And if I can get that, then I'm getting a lot from the app and having fun with it. Well, Ryan, it was so great to talk to you. I'm a huge fan of your work. Please keep it up. You are doing an incredible service for people, letting them know their rights and everything like that. Don't let the haters and the boomers and the Karens of the world get you down. You are doing incredible work. I really appreciate you coming out. And everybody listening, go follow him right now at Attorney Ryan on TikTok. Incredible content, funny, yet extremely informative. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Corey. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Evan the Counselor. Evan is a licensed mental health counselor who has over a million followers on TikTok. He uses the app to give people humorous yet informative content about psychology and mental health. Right. If someone's coming after me in a personal way, how can I put that aside and create a dialogue and listen to this person, hear what they have to say and break those walls down? And then I have a chance to change their mind. Thank you for listening to Stitch Disc with Corey Bradford. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and we'll see you next week.